Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited about today's podcast. I am on location recording live with a dear friend of ours, Cliff Ngari. He is a brilliant, successful businessman, and he's going to talk to us about the roads of entrepreneurship and ethics and how they intersect. Do they intersect? How do you juggle the balls of priorities and ethics and morals and standards while trying to make successful businesses and all of those hard choices that come with it? He shares his wisdom and experience with folks all over the country. Let's get to it. So we are so excited today to be in Cliff and Gary's office today. So he's a dear friend of our family. He's like family, and I'm just excited to get to talk to you. I've actually, I've known you for so many years, but I've always wanted to pick your brain about the business side of your life, because whenever our families are together, it's the fun stuff. Right. So like, I'm really excited to see how your brain works with business. I know... My limited knowledge is that you built businesses, sold them, all while juggling a family. So we're excited to have you today to just share your wealth of knowledge on how to do this. Awesome. Excited too. Cool. Well, start from the beginning. Where? How did you come into being an entrepreneur and how did that work with when your kids were little and how when they grew and you're juggling all of those balls at once? Sure. So, believe it or not... I didn't know it then, but as a child, I have been an entrepreneur. I learned that I was, of course, looking back, mowing grass, shoveling snow, whatever it was to help the family, um, buy things, do things, just that drive to, one, control, control your own destiny, but two, to, um, you know, make, make a better, make a better life. So it wasn't until later in my career that I realized that really enjoy, um, I won't say the control, but the ability to create your own destiny, hence becoming an entrepreneur. Started out at about 21 with a cable construction business and was too young at that point to um, understand all the nuances uh, of it. And I won't say it failed because it went on successfully. This was in Louisiana. But I was a little, um, I got scared and pulled out because of uh, uh, the demands that it had at a very young age, being early married also. Um, and then I had a great opportunity with, um, I mean, 20 years ago um, in the military simulation and training space and was working as a defense contractor, as many of my fellow cohorts did, and um, got the itch, got a call from a customer saying, uh, you know, we need you back. And um, when, I, when I did, we had the opportunity to um, have a contract in hand. And uh, kind of the rest is history. We built four successful companies around that and uh, have sold, I personally have sold three. I have one left. And um, yeah, it's been a phenomenal ride. So it's, I know that you've been very successful. This, it sounds like you're a natural at it since you were a kid. Business is in your blood. Um, how do you, as a very like ethical, um, morally upstanding guy, a Christian, like how does all that play into the business world? Can you be both? Can you be like business shark mm-hmm. and also your whole yeah. personal side of your faith and everything? Great question, Christy. And I'm happy to 
answer it because <clears throat> I used to think you couldn't have your cake and eat it too. You couldn't have a value system and be a business person because there's so many decisions that are built around the business and the fate of your business. And sometimes those, de those decisions are very challenging because it's either uphold your values or uphold the bottom line of the business, right? And then sometimes they just don't, they don't juxtapose, right? Um, so yeah, I've always tried to stay true to the values um, at the core. Um, there's a, uh, you know, they, they call it the CEO, the chief executive officer. I've kind of labeled that as the chief enforcement officer because someone has to stand at the helm whether you're CEO, president, a vice president, a director, or an employee, someone has to stand at the helm within the company to maintain the culture, the values that you subscribe to, especially at the top. So, you know, I was always the one trying to enforce the values when maybe an F-bomb was dropped in a meeting to pull someone aside and say, hey, you know, we really don't operate that way or we're poking a customer in the eye and that's not our values. So... How was that received? Um... Again, and I hate saying this, but when you're the boss, very well. <laughs> you're way up. <laughs> right. You're the, yeah. And sometimes um, people don't fit that culture, and that's okay. And we part ways, right? And it's mainly mutual, right? They understand that that's not part of our culture or value system, and we part ways, and, and that's okay. And, of course, you bend your own rules sometimes, and, you know, you kick yourself for doing it, Right. Um, so it is. It's 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 a struggle. Um, when you say you bend your own rules, sometimes what does that look it, like? It well, it, it looks like um, you know when you put what I described earlier those um, those company metrics ahead of your values. So there's a lot of soul searching that goes mm -hmm. in, especially on the quick day to day in the planning, the strategic planning aspects of the business. There's time, so you can instill and make sure that those values are there. But in execution, you know, when things are very curt and there's a thousand things going on during the day, traditionally, your decisions and your actions embody your values. But every once in a while, you get a, a curveball thrown at you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's like, uh, I, I can either have this or this, but you don't sometimes have time to think about it. You think it would be innate. And I've gotten a lot better about it. But in the early days, a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. When you say you kick yourself later, how do you recover from that? Uh, you don't do it again, right? And you reflect and you repent, right? And nothing dire. I don't. I can't say maybe some employees could say that, but I, I don't believe I've ever dishonored, right, or tried to dishonor, um, you know, my employees, my customers, my partners, or myself, or my family, mm -hmm. right, or my God, mm -hmm. right? But, um, yeah, sometimes, um, you know, there's two sides to the story. I like to, I like to say, and I've, I think I've told this to every employee and probably every customer, that I like accountability partners, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't traditionally express my values, but people kind of know where I stand, especially people who have known me for a while. And the way I stay accountable is I tell them, if my actions are not indicative to my words, then call me out. 
just call me out. My door is open. Call me out. You can come into my office. We'll shut the door. And then we'll do one of two things, right? Um, when you tell me the infraction or where you think my words don't or aren't indicative to my actions, I'll either acknowledge and say you're absolutely right um, and apologize and then make it right, right, the situation, or I'll tell them the rest of the story, the part that they didn't hear, because there's a lot of cases like that. And I have examples of that that have just, you know, showed me that sometimes, you know, not just myself, but other people um, tend to judge people at the top because there's a preconceived notion, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and the only thing I'm, I'm top of, I don't put myself above anyone else, but it, organizationally, when you're in the top of the organization, one, it's a, um, it's lonely at the top because mm. there's really not a lot of people that you can share kind of the corporate things with and some of the hard decisions like we may be struggling financially and we may have to do a reduction in force. And that's something you, you just you have to wear that and bear that, right? Yeah. Maybe your business partner, maybe some senior level folks. So, yeah, life is only the top and it's a thankless job. Right. Mm. There's no one out there saying, hey, Cliff, thanks for, you know, my paycheck. I mean, of course, um, there are a lot of people that are grateful having the job, but it's 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 challenging sometimes, especially for someone who loves to do great things with people and for people. And I don't expect gratitude in return, but I'll tell you what, sometimes it feels good. It mm -hmm. just, it reinforces why you're doing it, right? Sure. Yeah. So having uh, having your own guardrails up mm -hmm. for your moral and ethics, yeah. that's very different than the way a lot of companies are ran. A lot of people believe you've got to do whatever it takes mm -hmm. to make it successful, make it to the top. Um, so can you speak a little bit to how you have made it work to not have to compromise your values. Yeah, well... And still be successful. <laughs> yeah, so I won't say not compromise my values because I have. And that's part of the, um, the journey of an entrepreneur. You're going to compromise your values. You're going to compromise your faith. You're going to compromise your health. You're going to compromise your family. Because to your point, Christy... <clears throat> It is, in order to have a successful company or companies, it's sometimes they're relentless schedules. And you don't have the opportunity just to turn it off, right? Mm -hmm. You just don't. And, um, you know, that's the struggle. You know, you get up early, you go to bed late, sometimes at 2, 3 in the morning. You, you have to get it done. And, of course... Um, those things are standing in your way, those things that really matter. Now, again, I'm older, wiser now, and I recognize that that probably shouldn't have been the course. But um, I don't think we would have had the success. Not that that was more important. I would have much rather not compromise some of those things. That's the bad news. The good news is you can reflect on that, like most people do, and recover from it. And, you know, instill, uphold 
um, you know, again, repent and make things right and hope that it's not too late to make things right, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I have a family that's stuck by me thick and thin. I think advice to other entrepreneurs if they're looking to get, um, go down that path to have that serious discussion, especially with family. Even with friends, my life is about to change, okay? My life is about to change because I want to pour my heart into something that I'm very passionate about. And I will tell you that there's going to be some sacrifices, but to your point, put up some guardrails that at least you can adopt early on. And then back to the accountability partners, allow your family to say, hey, you're pushing it too hard. And my family did, there were a lot of those signs like oh you know you're working too much i gotta get this done i gotta get this done but it's only today mm -hmm. then tomorrow but it, it never is so i think if you have the discipline to do that and you're willing to forego um and it's not even about the bottom line if you're willing to forego some failings maybe not failure but some failings in the business what's the difference to you between failure and failing yeah so failing we all do mm -hmm. right um and that's just business. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed. Failure is you got to shut the doors, mm. right? That's that's the epitome of failure. You fail, right? There's no getting that back, right? So it's it's finite, right? What would you say to someone that struggles? Like it, there can never be any point of failing, much less failure. Is it possible to be an entrepreneur and never fail ever? No, not possible. And if you have those expectations, then you're set up for failure mm -hmm. because, you know, you will, everything will fail, fail. It's kind of like if, you know, everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. You have to accept and acknowledge. Now, I will say, you know, in my explore, exploration of entrepreneurs and trying to put my finger on what truly makes an entrepreneur, and I'm not going to go as far as saying you're born with it, but there's a lot of innate characteristics, some that are environmental, but some that I do think that you're born with, mm -hmm. right? And um, I believe one of those characteristics is the fear of failure, mm. okay, which I have, right? And it's, it's a blessing and it's a curse, right? Mm -hmm. The blessing is the company flourishes because you're going to work your heart out to ensure mm -hmm. that there's not failings, much mm -hmm. less failure. Well, you just can't. You're, mm -hmm. you're one person, you're human, you've got a phenomenal team around you. But there's going to be failings, right? Whether you lost a contract, whether you disappointed an employee and they left, whether you made a wrong hire and they're just not a cultural fit and it erodes some of that culture. I mean, there's just so many. Um, but you overcome them, right? And so how do you do that? How do you overcome Well, them? first you try to identify them in advance. So that's just risk, right? If I do this, you calculate the risk. First, you calculate the, the pros and the cons of that decision, right? Especially the big decisions. But then you calculate the risk. What will this look like if this happens? Right? So the first time you hire that wrong person and they erode your culture, it's lessons learned. So the next time you say, okay, there's a risk of hiring this other senior level person or whomever. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, if this happens again, where are my mitigators? How do I you know, cut that off sooner or how do I prevent it to begin with? Mm -hmm. right? So that's just kind of lessons learned, but you, you're constantly assessing risk. 
So then how do you uh, separate out a, a failing mm -hmm. and keep it in the business world and not be like, I am, and not internalize and personalize, yeah. like, because I hired this person, I must be mm -hmm. the point of failure. You don't. I don't. I know a lot of people can. You know, I won't mention names, but I've had leaders around me who can easily do that. And the reason why is, and I'm not being crude here, is that they don't care. Mm -hmm. Right? They don't care. You know, I mean, I've had people that, you know, want to leave our organization. And I, you know, I plead with them and I talk to other senior, oh, okay, we'll just hire someone else. Mm -hmm. No, I care about that person. So that's another aspect of that adds to the burden of the business is that you care about the people that matter right sometimes care too much right and that's that's why when you say the failings the only way to overcome that is just go yeah mm -hmm. i really don't care how that impacted my customer my employees our partners um other stakeholders Right. Mm -hmm. I've just not, I haven't been one to do that. And I don't know if I'd want to, but it is, it comes with a burden, right? And those are the sleepless nights when you have to make those tough decisions. You know, literally grown men crying on your shoulder. And when I say mm -hmm. literally, I've had that happen. Mm -hmm. And it's heartbreaking, mm -hmm. right? Some people can just like, mm, they'll find another job or it'll all be good. But, you know. And I'm not saying that I'm a saint or, you know, but I, I internalize some of that, but it does weigh on you. Mm -hmm. It definitely weighs on you. Can you find a healthy line of only letting that weigh on you so far before you start maybe feeling like your self-confidence is shaken a little bit? Like, gosh, can I trust my gut on this hire or this contract? Yeah, that's never that's never been a problem with me because I do, I trust. Um, I think that's where some of my personal success and the business successes come from, because I love reading people. Which in the early days of the companies, that I would personally um, either have lunch or dinner. It was never an interview; it was a discussion. It was just, mm -hmm. just to get to know them, and I wasn't looking to get to know what was inside their head, right? That was left for the engineers and the technical people to say, okay, this person is qualified, they've got the credentials, they've got the experience. My job was to peer into their heart and learn about that person, right? And would they be a cultural fit that would subscribe to our value system, right? And could they stand up in front of the, a customer and represent our company in an honorable way, mm -hmm. right? And um, so that's, I, I think, others have told me, but I think that's a gift I have mm -hmm. to really, you know, have that heart-to-heart -heart and quickly discern whether or not that person can be trusted. Because mm -hmm. in hiring, especially at a senior level, I have three very basic criteria, right? It's trust, judgment, and passion or fire in the belly. And if I have those three things, oh my gosh, you can light the world on fire in mm -hmm. terms of the business because it's just so important to be able to trust. Um, and when you when that trust has been violated, it does erode your ability to say, okay, 
you know, how, how was I off on this? Mm-hmm. How was I wrong? Yeah. Right. But yeah, so that's the trust part, which to me is the number one. Mm-hmm. The judgment is critical because now you're entrusting people to make decisions for the company that, again, embody the values mm-hmm. and that they're good decisions, solid business decisions, but also solid value decisions, mm-hmm. right? That, it, that it's emblematic of your mm-hmm. brand and your company and what you've built. Because it's too easy. It just takes one or two times and there it goes, right? You're no longer known as the company that cares, that takes care of their customers, that takes care of their employees, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bigger you are, the harder it gets because you're now empowering other people to kind of carry that out. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the fire in the belly? The fire in the belly is, that's innate. You either have it or you don't. And once again, I'll go back to, and some people that I have this, little notional debate with is tells me that oh no that can be taught and um no it's it's in a you are born with that you either have it or you don't and it is a gut thing it's just that desire to succeed and to fulfill and to please and the drive that comes with that you know the and like you know that's the good side the downside is the sacrifices that we talked Mm -hmm. about earlier right so you first met uh, my husband, Bruce. Y'all met in the Air Force. We did. So thank you for your service. Oh. <laughs> and would you say that the military life helped instill the discipline in you to do what you do now? Totally. And it brought structure. Now, you have to understand, I was born on a military base. My father was Air Force. Okay. Lived my life and outside of a stint at LSU, and um, I've kind of been serving in the military as a dependent, as an active duty, as a guardsman, and now as a defense contractor all my life, 59 years, mm-hmm. right? And um, so it's the culture that I know, and it's a great culture. It's great in every way. It's great as a dependent, as, as, as someone growing up, you know, as a son of a Air Force, you know, active duty serviceman traveling the world, seeing things, being eclectic, being, having the ability to adapt, mm-hmm. right? You're the kid that's being out of, pulled out of school, you know, whether it's the third grade or the 11th grade, you're being pulled out, not during the summer, because no disrespect to the military, but you know, when dad's got to go, dad's right. got to go. So it's not yeah. during the summer. Mm-hmm. You're starting not the new school year. Mm-hmm. You're starting. So that part of it, standing up in front of the class and you're the new kid and you've got to adapt mm-hmm. and to that new culture, that new way you lost your good, you know, your old friends. You've got to now, you know, new friends. It's, it's a challenging lifestyle, but it's all I know. So when I meet people who's grown up in the same place, I'm thinking, how do you do that? And what's, you know, and <laughs> right. I have all these friends and it's like, well, I have friends too, but they're all over the world. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, it teaches you how to adapt, how to be resilient. So a lot of those qualities and to your point, Christy, when I interview other entrepreneurs, some, you know, military dependents, when I find them, we're cut from the same cloth mm-hmm. and that's environmental. We've mm-hmm. all had that shared experience, and there's something inside of us that pl- that was planted as we're moving all over the world. And in some cases, you know, you're going through, you know, nuclear testing drills in your school, and it's a little scary, right? Yeah, and all those things in that military culture. But it teaches you discipline mm-hmm. because you 
you don't have the ability to kind of mess up on a military base. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your dad's in front of the commander. So things like that. I mean, kids are going to be kids, but it's it's a it's it was an incredible lifestyle and an incredible life, mm-hmm. you know, in in serving in the military and serving the military as we do now. So if we're speaking to maybe men and women starting out wanting to be entrepreneurs, yeah. professionals, I'm thinking the military gives. You know, teaches things like respect and honor mm-hmm. and accountability. You know, do what you say or do. Finish mm-hmm. your job. You know, all that. Where would you say someone would be able to find those things if they aren't in the military? They're not going to go in the military. How does someone say, "Well, I want all of that too," but I don't come from that background? Sure, I I'd like to say that's learned. You know, you can watch a YouTube and learn how to be honorable, learn how to be respectful, learn how to be dignified, learn how to be professional, but it's not. It's experiential. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's the challenge. And I'm not saying it's hopeless, but you've got to put yourself in situations where those things matter, whether it's church, whether it's to your own God, right? Whether it's scripture, right? Whether it's being in an environment. You know, one of the companies that I worked for after the Air Force had that structure, very professional organization. Mm -hmm. And I looked up to those vice presidents who were true leaders, and I would try to emulate them, Mm -hmm. right? Because I wanted to be them, not because their stature, just because, wow, what they were able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of regards, you have to put yourself in that environment and learn. You're not going to get it out of a book. You know, mm-hmm. you can have an MBA all day long. I have an MBA, but it didn't teach me any of those mm-hmm. things. Right? It's experiential. So, could someone maybe say, "I'll be a volunteer somewhere where I've, you know, I've, I've agreed to these responsibilities." Absolutely. Big brother, big sister. Absolutely. Animals, or whatever. Like. Absolutely. With one hundred percent, one hundred percent. To but mentoring. Finding that leader that you want to be one day, mm-hmm. subscribing to, and like I said, it's not about stature or status. Mm-hmm. It's about wanting to be that person because of the goodness mm-hmm. in that person that they subscribe to values and they're successful because that's mm-hmm. the cake and eat it too, right? Yes, they're honorable people. They're dignified. They're faithful, and they're successful. Because mm-hmm. now I've personally proven I've seen so many around me that have proven that cake and eat it too. Because when I was in my MBA, I had a college professor that said, Cliff, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm. His name was Dr. Ahmed. And I was out to prove Dr. Ahmed wrong. (sighs) And several years later, after we had a little moderate success, I did. I went back to Dr. Ahmed. (laughs) It felt good. It felt good. And it wasn't to shame him or anything. It was to really kind of Mm -hmm. blow a hole in his his case study or his Mm -hmm. thesis Mm -hmm. that you can't be a good, genuine person, take care of people, genuinely care about people, Mm -hmm. and be successful, right, on the bottom line. Mm Because, you know, it just doesn't reconcile, Mm -hmm. right, in the world of, you know, scholastic business school. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's coming from a place of uh, just a a lot of, um, I didn't have this, I didn't get that opportunity, I don't have any advantages, Mm -hmm. I don't have any mentors, I don't have any... Sure. At what point... Do you tell that person it doesn't matter where you're coming from, it matters where you're, where you're mm-hmm. going? Sure. And how can that person like shake off all of the naysaying in yeah. themselves? Go do it. Just go do it. Shake it off. The bootstrap thing, firm believer, you know, no victimhood, no, just go do it. 
take that leap and do it. You have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain, right? Mm -hmm. So just go do it. Mm -hmm. Shake that stuff off, right? Just shake it off and go do it. Take that step, first step, and it may not work the first time, but it'll eventually work. Find yourself the opportunities because they're out there. There's so many opportunities, especially in this country. So many. So if no one else in that circle believes in them, mm -hmm. if they believe in themselves, yeah. is that enough? Absolutely. More than enough. More than enough. And actually, that's fuel. Mm -hmm. That's fuel. Just like I told you about Dr. Amen, mm -hmm. I'm out to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said. Now, you don't want to make that your primary motive, <laughs> right? Because right. in life, that's just not good. I'll show you. Right, right, right. But I'll tell you what, that's rocket fuel. Mm -hmm. You know, to have mm -hmm. the ability to have a parent, a mentor, a sibling that's always putting you down, whatever mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. And you've got something to prove. When I was in college, um, I just took a semester off. I, I worked and went to school. Mm -hmm. and I were paying our way through school. Sure. That's what we did. I wanted to experience what it felt like to work two jobs. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to experience that. Mm -hmm. I already had one, and I yeah. had school. So I took one semester off, and someone that I really, really respected in my life looked straight at me and said, you'll never finish school now. Mm -hmm. You'll never finish. That's right. And I understand on this side yes. of life that... It was out of care and concern that they said it. Right. But at graduation, yes, I so yes. bad. Right. <laughs> you wanted them there. You wanted them there. That's right. That's right. You didn't believe in me. Yes. But and, I knew what I was doing. Yes. And there is. And like I said, that's it's good to have that rocket fuel. It's mm -hmm. probably not as good, although it feels really good. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's like you know, you don't want to rub anyone's nose in anything, right. but. It is, it's, it's, it's a motivator, and yes. there's nothing wrong with that. And to some extent, I think God puts that in our heart mm -hmm. and in our gut mm -hmm. to go off and conquer mm -hmm. His will, right? Yes. You know, because in that regard, it's kind of our will, but through prayer, we're, yes. you know, we're trying to live His will. But right. that, again, I can't explain the drive that I had and somewhat still have mm -hmm. it's it's been tarnished a little bit as you, i think it's just natural as you get older mm -hmm. you reassess priorities sure. you reassess life and the work-life balance and you know but it still drives me to be active to be busy especially in business mm -hmm. especially because it, it's something that i think i've got a little knowledge in and i want to share yeah. i had an old um Army uh, aviator, helicopter, Huey pilot used to say, and he was a brilliant guy, but he used to always say, I'm dumb as a box of rocks. Right? <laughs> and I stole that from him because, again, I'm not a smart guy, but I have to work two to three times harder than the smart mm -hmm. people. You know, smart, and I've hired many, many brilliant people. So the only way to stay on top in a leadership role is to work harder, mm -hmm. especially when you don't have the intellect mm -hmm. that some of these natural born intellectuals have, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, no, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the box of rocks. Category, <laughs> okay. so I, I get you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at a half a box now, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I cannot believe our time is flying by. So I have two more things. Yes. So one would be, can you speak to how if someone is just like, I, I got the drive in my belly. Yeah. I feel like I've got good judgment. I trust my process. Mm -hmm. Help me write a goal how 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 do i start because i think don't you need to be able to see like it's the long game yeah like where oh, you're going i'm gonna i love this question i i could go on 20 <laughs> minutes christy but i know we'll cut it short so first and foremost you got to get it out of your head and on paper 
Okay. A plan can't live in your head. It has to live on paper for numerous reasons, right? For you to assemble that and to look and to connect the dots, there has to be words on paper. I don't care if it's a Venn diagram, if it's a mind map, if it's parenthetical. That's not how I work. I'm visual, so I'm a mm -hmm. bubble chart on the whiteboard kind of guy mm -hmm. or a table or something, pros, con, yep, yeah. Excel spreadsheets, heat maps, all that stuff that helped me. You know, it's a decision support system. Mm -hmm. So that plan for anyone young or anyone looking to do that, get it out in your head, mm -hmm. get it on paper, because the next thing that does is allows you to articulate it, mm -hmm. right? When it's on paper, it's formalized. Um, you can express that to your family, friends, mentors, other business people. This is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And they're going to carve it up and that's okay. Right, and then you're reformulating, you're reformulating, and you're perfecting, and you're polishing, you're polishing until you have something to where now you're ready. And mm -hmm. it's not a business plan, mm -hmm. right? Or anything in life, it might not even be business, it could be a career choice. Yeah. But that's the decision, a process that needs to go in. When they're small decisions, that's fine. You can make ad hoc small decisions, hopefully still based on your values and your heart's gonna lead you. But when they're big decisions, life-changing, like, Starting a family, getting married, having children, a new career, starting a business. You've got to put in the time, mm -hmm. right, to assess all the aspects, all the stakeholders. What does it mean? How is mm -hmm. it going to affect? Am I ready for this? Are they ready for this, right? Mm -hmm. What are the risks? How do I overcome the risks, right? So putting that together, spending the time. I, I always say, I, I brief some service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses. I'm actually flying up to D.C. next week to do this, and it's, it's the oh, joy, of my, joy of my life. And I tell them, plan, 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 and when you're done, guess what you do? Plan some more. Mm. Okay, That's how important it is. Mm. Okay? And when you're dreaming, we call it in, in business, we call it vision, mission, values, right? There's this hierarchy, and it's a vision statement. Throw that out the window. A vision, paint the picture. And if, you, if you're an artist, literally paint the picture of mm -hmm. what this is going to look like a year from now. Yeah. What it's going to look like five years from now, ten years from now. Not what it's going to look like, but what you want it to look like. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many, again, I'm speaking business now, but you can do the same thing with family or any decision. Mm -hmm. How many kids am I going to have? How many employees am I going to have? You know, what's my, what, what's my revenue goals? Paint that picture of what the company's going to be. Is it going to be an office building? Is it going to be a high rise? Where are we? Mm -hmm. Because that inspires. And when you do that, never put mission in there. Never think about how you're going to get there. That goes be against the grain. Right? <laughs> because when you do that, it perturbates that vision. Mm -hmm. Free think. That's free, right? Mm -hmm. When you can think and dream and build and and have that passion to put it out there. Now, it may be too grandiose to accomplish, mm -hmm. and you can pull it in, but don't worry about how you're going to execute to it. Because when it when you do and you start thinking, oh, I'll never be able to do that, mm -hmm. think of all the visionaries in our world, mm -hmm. right? The yeah. ones, you know, the yeah. big, big success, you know, the Bill Elon Gates. Musk comes to mind. <laughs> right. You think they were sitting there going, oh, I don't know, if I, if I step out here and I, I don't know if I can really create this, you know, mm -hmm. electric motor for the Tesla or, you know, mm -hmm. SpaceX. Oh, my gosh. We're, you know, we're going to launch a rocket. Right. That's just crazy. No, of course not. They had a dream. They had a vision. And they, they forged that before they went off and started on mm -hmm. step one. Now, what do we need to put in place to start getting ready to build this vision, right? Of course, mm -hmm. with a team around you, 
great people. So are you saying like creating a mission statement can almost like hold you back, lock you in? Well, a vision statement. Yeah, so you have vision, mission. Vision mm -hmm. is, you know, what it's going to look like, mm -hmm. right? The destination. The mission is how you're going to get there, mm -hmm. right? So, again, in business, MBA, wherever they do, I mean, I've learned that all my life. Oh, you got to have a vision statement, and you get your mm -hmm. executive team together, and you spend three days coming up with a vision statement. Yeah, it's something you hang on a plaque on your wall. It's like, no, no, no. It just doesn't pull out the creative juices, mm -hmm. the really, the, the big stuff. How... Excellent. How are you going to get there? What's coming from you? And you want your team on board, right? Mm -hmm. But truly, it comes from, you know, I will say the leader. Someone mm -hmm. has to lead that. Mm -hmm. Someone has to make a decision as this is what we want, right? Yeah. So Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up, mm -hmm. um, you're in an elevator with yep. a young guy, young girl. Yep. Looking all professional. Yep. They're on the way to their big interview. Mm -hmm. You got 30 seconds in an elevator. Right. What do you say? So my elevator pitch. And so they're going up to the 30th floor for their interview? Yeah. Okay, great. So, yeah, be, um, first of all, you know, elevators scare me. So, <laughs> me so, so, so hopefully one's an elevator repairman and the other one's a doctor. Right? So, but, uh, but, no, I'm in there. And, again, I am just encouraging mm -hmm. to do your best, to speak from your heart, speak truth. Right, just speak truth and speak from the heart. Right, give them who you are, and hopefully that you just exude goodness and give them that. And the big thing is, if you don't know, you tell them, "I don't." That's a great question. I don't know, but I will tell you what I have in my heart. I will find out the answer and I will solve the problem. And I will be relentless mm -hmm. getting it because mm -hmm. I want to. I want to be you one day, mm -hmm. you know, whomever that interview is, whether it's the, the boss, you know, or the mm -hmm. senior person in charge. Mm -hmm. Again, that's what it's about. That's how you get ahead. Get ahead by solving customer problems, by solving employee problems. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the epitome of what it is. That's mm -hmm. the epitome of, even of a career. If you can solve people's problems and become the, the knight in shining armor, right. you're golden. You're golden. It'll carry you very, very far. But you got to put forth the work, the mm -hmm. ethics, right? The so value. effort, authenticity. Yep, absolutely. The honesty. Yeah, all those words that I probably could have said, Christy, without bloviating about oh, the no. description of those words. Yeah, oh, but those are great words. The backstory on it. Yeah, is those like, are great. Those are great so words. Good. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have loved our time together, Same. and love to continue the conversation another time. Okay, part two. In true form, you yes. have a business meeting. Yes, I do. Yes. I don't want to keep you from that. So. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cliff, for your time. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.